Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is a Rogue Media Network podcast. This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. Jake Hatch, the Zone Sports Network, BYU, also uh, has his podcast as well. And Jake, this is... um, this is an interesting offseason for everybody in college football. It is one, particularly for the Big 12 and for teams that, you know, join the Big 12 this year, you know, when they join, think it is going to be one thing, and then now it's an, an even bigger thing. Uh, and recruiting in BYU's own geographic area got maybe even mm-hmm. tougher with the West Western teams coming in, especially their rival in Utah. So what's it been like now knowing that, it's a 16-team league, and four of those teams, you're really swimming in the same waters for the same guys. I think BYU understands there's, yeah, there's extra competition with those, especially Utah being right there next door to them. But I think BYU is happy to have them in the conference because it gives them some more geographic rivals. You've got Utah up the road. You've got the Arizona schools the plane right away. you got Colorado just across the mountain range uh, in the Rocky Mountains. So the good news for BYU is, is those other schools they have history with, and it just allows them you know, to have some more geographic rivals rather than having to travel every time they go to play a conference game. Jake, what was it like to not have a, a postseason, especially getting five wins pretty early on and just seeing the Cougs sort of flounder down the stretch in conference play? What was sort of the reaction to all that surrounding the program? And what was, uh, I guess, how would you summarize the feel as the season closed on how the, the debut in the Big 12 went? Uh, I got to say it was a little weird because it's only the second time they haven't gone bowling in uh, 20 years for BYU. So, yeah, it was a little strange not to have them in the postseason, but you're right. Uh, when you start out the season, you're 5-3 and three at one point. It felt almost like inevitable that BYU would pick up a sixth win. But as you mentioned, they end up uh, losing all the five straight to end the season and uh, find themselves sitting home for the holidays. And uh, I can tell you in the conversations I have with players and coaches around the football program uh, since the season ended, they are extremely hungry. They don't want to have this uh, bolus drought extend any further than one year. So uh, they're hard at work and recruiting, obviously, trying to upgrade the talent base for BYU. But at the same time, they are expecting next year to have an improved team and at least get to six wins at minimum. So, Jake, how do they approach this offseason? Like, what are you like? What's the job one? What are the things they have to do to, to build back that team that Kalani Sataki was so used to? Well, the number one thing is they got to find out what they're going to do at quarterback because Keaton Slovis was the one-year rental as a grad transfer coming into BYU, and uh, he finished the season injured. He didn't play the final four games due to an elbow injury, and BYU brought in Jake Retzloff, who they were very high on as a junior college transfer from last year uh, to finish the season out. But 
guilty when 0-4 and, and had moments where he looked okay at quarterback. But the, the big question this offseason, I think, uh, number one, is who is your quarterback going to be in 2024? BYU knows that they need to have elite quarterback play or at least above average quarterback play if they want to get back to the bowl season. So uh, they're looking at their quarterback situation. The other thing they're looking at is just overall uh, building up the talent base of their of their depth. If you look at their most recent uh, recruiting cycle, like the early signing window, BYU did a very, very heavy emphasis on defense, particularly in the front seven. Uh, they struggled against the run down the stretch during the season. I think felt like the coaches noticed they got worn down. So they made a heavy emphasis on bringing in defensive linemen and linebackers and they're, so far, their recruiting class is very heavy on defensive players. So, uh, yeah, they need to figure out what they're doing at quarterback, get an upgrade there if at all possible. They've been doing very, very uh, heavy work in the transfer call, trying to find an option there. And then at the same time, making sure that defense is going to be able to hold up better against the run especially. Yeah, and that's that's normally an adjustment that every new team has to make. The ones that have joined the Big 12 in the past is, is definitely the line play and kind of getting the, the depth and whatnot needed there. Um, in terms of recruiting in general, I know there was at least a little bit of a bump early on with the move to the Big 12. Has that dissipated? Are they seeing still an upward trajectory? How would you describe just sort of the recruiting waters right now in Provo? Uh, if you go by just by the recruiting rankings, I know that those are kind of a, they're an interesting debate to go trust those. But BYU has their best rated class right now in the 2024 cycle that they've had in three and four years. So, yeah, they are seeing a uh, continued bump. And the hope is, is they can uh, start to put, put together some results on the field that will yield uh, more results in the recruiting sphere. Now, we all know BYU has its unique uh, recruiting restrictions, having the honor code, and the fact that it's a church-affiliated school, et cetera. But BYU's coaches know that they have to have a more talent on the field. It became very, very evident in the final five games of the season that they lost that they just did not have the talent they needed to compete at the Big 12 level that they want to compete at. So they are doing their best to try and find the best talent they can, but it is going to take some time for them to really get to the level they're, they're, they want to get to. But, yes, they are seeing a bump, and it's continuing to improve, it feels like, every year. What quarterbacks do you think fit them that are available in the transfer portal? Well, that's, and that's, that's an interesting debate because you look at all these quarterbacks. I, I saw Jaden Maiava from UNLV, who obviously led the Rebels to a nine-win season, which is just incredible down there for Las Vegas. He seems like a guy who would be a tailor-made fit for BYU because I think they realized that Keaton Slovis being a pocket passer just did not fit their offense ideally. The offense Aaron Roderick prefers to run needs to have a dual-threat quarterback. So if you're looking at that, Jaden Maiava from UNLV seems to fit the bill. Uh, I thought early on that some guys like Daquan Finn, who ultimately landed at Baylor, would have fit the bill for BYU. Uh, the one thing BYU's going to be going up against is, as you guys are well aware, and we're all well aware, NIL and how much money do you have in your war chest to be able to offer up to these quarterbacks? I, I, it's not out of the realm of what uh, Matt Rule said from Nebraska. A million, million and a half, two million dollars is what it's going to cost to have an elite quarterback. The concern I have is, does BYU have the war chest big enough right now to be able to afford to pay a top-flight quarterback like that in the transfer portal? And based on the fact that they have not landed somebody of that caliber yet, that tells me that they are not in that same stratosphere yet. So, um, I mean, that that is a little bit surprising, Jake, though, because, I, mm-hmm. I mean, I do think that there's money running through there. Is it just not uh, running to the NIL just yet? That's what, that's and that's my assumption is that yeah there there are corporate sponsors and some of these big boosters who, yeah they probably are contributing money to the university itself and to the football program and the athletic department 
but they've not, probably not caught the vision of what NIL and what their collective, uh, BYU has two. They have one called Connect, The other called the Royal Blue Connect Collective. That I don't think they've caught the vision of what NIL is ultimately going to need to be for BYU to compete. I, I think some of these universities have caught the vision. I, I would point to Baylor in particular as one that has seemed to have caught the vision. And we'll see if it yields the results that Baylor wants as they try and bounce back from a disappointing year. But BYU's boosters, I think, have not necessarily caught the vision yet. And I think eventually they will, but I'm afraid that it may come a little too late. All right, Jake, turn into the hardwood. Pretty nice start there for men's basketball. 12-1, and got conference play kicking off this weekend. You know, when BYU joined the conference, there was as much talk about, you know, basketball probably as there was football in some cases. But uh, what's the excitement level surrounding this team? And what would you kind of describe as the vibes here 13 games in? And what's the excitement level subsequently for kicking off what should be a a terrific conference slate uh, starting this Saturday? Well, I think BYU fans are ecstatic. They've had about a, about a good a start as you could hope for in their Big 12 tenure in basketball. They've experienced in the 12 and 1. They're ranked 12th in the country. They got a huge uh, a start to the Big 12 play, obviously, coming up. They'll be headed uh, to Baylor next week, but they started off with Cincinnati on Saturday, and that'll be a, a pretty crazy crowd. I'm expecting a sellout, 18,000 plus fans there at the Marriott Center in Provo for that one. But yeah, Mark Pope and his squad. I think uh, based on the expectations, they were picked 13th in the preseason poll by the media, and I was not surprised by that in the least. And to come out and have played the style of basketball they have played, they have found themselves with a bona fide NBA draft prospect and a guy like Jackson Robinson, who I would expect is in the running for sixth man of the year in the conference this year. It's been a very, very fun start to the basketball season for BYU fans. And I think uh, considering the expectations Cougar fans had, relative to football with regards to men's basketball. Yeah, this is about as excited as you're going to find for BYU fans, and they're hoping that it's going to carry on here in the Big 12 play. Did the hype train start when they beat San Diego State? Yes, it did. You, you could kind of feel it start. Okay, they took down San Diego State, who obviously had made that run to the Final Four last year. Now, it was a different San Diego State Can we all get that, but that is still a very, very strong program. And then BYU from that point seems just to really uh, take, uh, take flight. And they're off and rolling. Yeah, they did lose to Utah in their only true road game of the non-conference slate. You never want to lose to your rivals. But BYU had maybe their worst performance of the non-conference slate when they went up to Salt Lake City in that game. So I think Cougar fans are very excited to see, okay, where can this team ultimately land in the Big 12? I don't think they have the uh, expectations or dreams that they're going to be the Houstons or the Kansases of the world, which are Final Four contenders. But I think that they are expecting that BYU will finish in the top half of the conference and find themselves uh, dancing come March. First conference game in the uh, new arena for Baylor, as a matter of fact, is BYU. Uh, Correct. They're excited, they're excited to go see this new, this new, uh, this new place. Uh, apparently, it looks like an absolutely incredible environment, just 7,500 people. But those fans... They're right on top of that court, it looks like. Uh, it's, it's, it's long overdue. It's long overdue <laughs> for, for the basketball programs to have that kind of uh, a venue. Jake, thanks so much for hopping on with us today. Appreciate it. You're always a great guest to go to. Please, uh, look, if you're a BYU fan, you're not listening to Jake Hatch. You're missing out. Uh, so, Jake, thanks so much. We'll talk to you soon. Absolutely. Thanks, guys. This has been a Rogue Media Network production.